in, in having that redesigned street, you now have pedestrians along a corridor that can cross without having to negotiate multiple lanes of traffic, which means maybe a grandmother and a young child can walk across the street to go to a grocery store or to go to their church or get to the park. Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. I'm your host, Benjamin Rangel, and on today's episode, we have a classic Milwaukee talkie. That's our full-length, long-form interviews with people doing good work, uh, providing good insight here in the city of Milwaukee. And today, we're talking to Professor Dr. Robert Schneider, who is a professor at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Dr. Schneider, or as he prefers, Bob, is a professor with practical and research experience in the sustainable transportation field. And we wanted to talk to him to learn a little bit more about the uh, challenge of reckless driving here in the city. And hopefully, even if you're not living in Milwaukee and you have some experience with reckless driving, whether it's something you experience in your community or maybe you identify as a reckless driver and you need some support, you need to be talked out of your your, uh, bad ways. Um, No, in all seriousness, hopefully this is relevant for everyone because what uh, Dr. Schneider, what Bob's going to offer here is um, actually a reckless driving solution that involves the built environment we'll, we'll talk more about more than just the built environment but as you'll hear there's a lot um, you can do in designing our streets to make them safer so thank you so much for listening to bridge the city before we jump into that episode i want to remind people for just four dollars and 14 cents that's the price of a coffee and knowing that you're playing it safe you're not going to coffee shops on a regular basis you can afford $4.14 to support local, independent, nonpartisan journalism right here on Bridge the City. We just had two episodes that were super informative for a lot of listeners. I had people reaching out to me because they were about the state superintendent's race and the Milwaukee Public School Board race, two local primary elections that just happened this past week. And so please consider supporting Bridge the City at patreon.com slash bridge the city. Become a patron. You get some cool swag if you donate. At some of the higher levels as well and i also on that note about our patreons i want to give a shout out to some of our most recent patrons luke steven and brianna um, i'm going to avoid saying your last name because we really didn't ask your permission but uh, i want to shout you three out for becoming sustainable supporters of bridge the city here in milwaukee wisconsin okay and so with that uh, please follow us share our work with your friends and family and take a listen to my interview with dr robert schneider at uw milwaukee about reckless driving and how the built environment can provide some solutions yes i'm robert schneider and i'm an associate professor in the department of urban planning at the uw milwaukee wonderful and we were talking a little bit before this uh is it Robert, Rob, Robert, Professor Schneider, how should I call you? Oh, Bob is fine, actually. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bob. We were talking a little bit before this, and I sort of told you um, about how recently I received an email 
from uh, Alderman Johnson. It was a press release. He wasn't emailing me directly or anything. But in his press release, he had um, advocated for accepting some additional funding uh, uh, for the police. And he cited specifically reckless driving as a need for certain police services. Um, and so I'm wondering if you can start us off by just talking a, b- a little bit about, uh, given your expertise and your knowledge, what role does street and city design play in addressing an uh, issue like re- reckless driving? Yeah, that's a fantastic question because people often think of reckless driving as a behavior that occurs out on the streets. People in cars going from one place to another or not obeying the laws, but it is almost viewed as existing outside of the built environment. Uh, and it seem may not have any relationship to the streets themselves at all. It's really just a human behavior. Well, we know from research that the way people drive is actually associated with the design of streets and the design of our neighborhoods and broader metropolitan regions. And so all those factors in terms of the built environment actually underlie how people drive every day and affects the opportunity for reckless driving and disobeying traffic laws. Yeah, and I'm wondering if you can give some very concrete examples of a way uh, a certain street design m- may be designed to discourage uh, or prevent reckless driving, or differently, uh, a street des- design that may promote uh, safe driving. Well, traffic speed is really the underlying factor that's the most important. And when we design roadways, or streets, as we call them in the city, if you have wider traffic lanes or more traffic lanes going in the same direction, those types of streets are typically going to be higher speed streets. They're often posted with higher speed limits. Sometimes, though, even if they're not posted with a higher speed limit, they still encourage people to drive faster and people don't feel like there's something at the side of where they're driving that makes them worried about potentially crashing into something. And speed itself is the underlying problem because in the event that somebody's crossing the street or a car pulls out of a driveway or a side street, somebody who's traveling faster is more likely to strike that person or vehicle. And so one thing that cities around the country are doing, and Milwaukee included, are trying to rethink the way streets are designed so that they'll become safer safer, and so that motorists will drive at the speed limit or closer to it, and that that speed limit is set at a, a lower level. Uh, some ways that, that are, that's done are by reducing the number of travel lanes. If there's more travel lanes than are needed. For example, some of our streets have two lanes in each direction, but really they can operate with one lane of traffic in each direction and go smoothly pretty much throughout the day. Maybe there's a little bit of traffic congestion for 15 minutes or a half an hour 
just after people get out of work. But for the most part, these streets can operate very efficiently with just one lane in each direction and maybe a few left turn lanes placed appropriately where those are needed. This, according to Professor Schneider, not only makes people feel like they should be driving more slowly, but it prevents those people who are speeding from uh, continuously passing people uh, uh, in the right-hand side. I'm sure many of you uh, are familiar with the feeling of somebody speeding past you, perhaps in a turn lane on your right or your on your right-hand side, or in a bike lane, which is uh, surely unsafe and uh, frustrating. Yeah, and so if what I'm hearing, and just to restate it too, is it's not necessarily changing the speed limit itself in on certain roadways in the city to reduce um, reckless driving or reduce speed, but literally redesigning how many lanes are accessible to drivers. And that, in turn, either forces drivers, uh, intuitively or not, to drive sl- uh, more s- slowly, correct? Yes. And so places where this has been done in the city of Milwaukee are, for example, on South 2nd Street. Uh, It went from four lanes down to two lanes. Uh, Kilbourne Avenue downtown used to have two lanes going in each direction. Now it just has one. The Locust Street Bridge between Murray Hill and River West, it had four lanes of traffic up until two years ago, and then now it just has one in each direction. So when those were done, those streets just had one lane of traffic going in each direction and they became safer because overall speeds went down and also the traffic flow on those streets is more organized into a single lane so you don't have drivers weaving around one another. The other thing that that does is produces an extra opportunity to use some of that roadway space for other types of transportation. On each of those examples, better bike lanes have been constructed. So there's separated or what we call protected bike lanes on the Locust Bridge on Kilbourne, and then there's a buffered bike lane on South 2nd Street. And so in addition to the traffic safety benefit, we're providing more opportunities for other types of transportation so that people can get around. Um, So there's multiple benefits to redesigning our streets for safety. Yeah. And, and so um, one other thing I'm trying to get into the mind of a listener uh, who's a driver and who's listening to this and I'm thinking they might, they might be, maybe they like to go a little bit above the speed limit. You know, they're not a reckless driver themselves. Uh, of course, I'm not calling any of our listeners reckless drivers. Uh, but what if you're listening to this and you're like, ah, I, I hear you. But the idea of like being stuck behind that slow driver in a single lane, um, you know, it doesn't, it, what happens then? That, that can be infuriating when you're driving and somebody's going below the speed limit and there's only a single lane. Are you calling for... Uh, you know, um, us to just have to deal with that because of these new redesigned streets? Or what would you say to somebody who, who brings that up? Well, I think it is a concern that people will have because they have been very used to a city that has been designed with streets to allow people to go faster than is actually safe in many neighborhoods. And so when you're used to one type of condition, actually experiencing a change from that 
can be uh, bother bothersome at first. But I would encourage listeners to think about what the benefits of that slightly slower travel are. So let's just say it takes you maybe 30 more seconds or a minute longer to go from one side of the city to the other. In doing, in, in having that redesigned street, you now have pedestrians along a corridor that can cross without having to negotiate multiple lanes of traffic, which means maybe a grandmother and a young child can walk across the street to go to a grocery store or to go to their church or get to the park. It means your local business district, instead of being divided by a thoroughfare that people are afraid to cross or even might be afraid to uh, turn their car and make a left turn out into or a right turn out into, instead of that thoroughfare, you have a neighborhood-oriented street with slower speeds that becomes a unifying feature within a neighborhood commercial district rather than something that divides it. And at the same time, where we have opportunities for more uh, bicycle lanes or wider sidewalks or bus lanes, we now have opportunities for people to use other types of transportation. And so that is giving the benefit of choice to people. And in fact, as somebody who might not want to be stuck behind other cars, maybe it's worth trying bicycling or trying a new bus option when, when a new bus lane goes in. And certainly using the local businesses more uh, within your neighborhood that you could walk to. So there's a lot of benefits to this, even though it may cost you a little bit of extra travel time to go behind a slow driver. And then, of course, don't forget the key benefit that we've been talking about, which is safety. If you're going a little bit slower, you're going to be more likely to be able to stop for a pedestrian who's crossing the street or a car that's pulling out or a bicyclist who may be uh, in the bike lane next to you. And so your slower speed is making all of them feel more comfortable and actually be safer. The main trade-off is, is human life potentially, right? You know, in 2018, there were... Uh, over 16,000 crashes in Milwaukee just in that one year. A quarter of those resulted in injury. Um, so you have 4,000 people injured on an annual basis. And if 30 more seconds in your commute means a uh, couple hundred or even one less person injured because of uh, reckless driving, I think that's a fair exchange. Well, and, and your point there is is so important. And since you brought up a few numbers, I think it's really key to for your audience to be aware of these. So over the last decade, 2010 to 2019, uh, between the months of January and October, the number of fatalities in Milwaukee due to traffic crashes was uh, 44 people killed in a typical year. And the maximum that were killed in any of those years were 56 in 2017. Now, 44 or 56, that is already 44 and 56, too many people who died on the streets. In 2020, between January and October, there were 72 people killed in Milwaukee 
That's now 72 too many. So we need to really take this issue of traffic safety seriously, especially with the recent bump. You know, that's 65% higher than the average over the last decade. If we think about those numbers being unacceptable, we get to the concept of vision zero, which is something that is, uh, it's an initiative that was originally started in Northern Europe, but many cities across the United States are starting to adopt, which essentially says this idea of having any traffic fatalities on your system should be unacceptable. And so we should, instead of accepting the idea that, oh, you know, about 40 people every year are going to die in traffic crashes in the city of Milwaukee, we should accept zero of those and change our system so that it ultimately produces zero. Now, I know that's not going to occur overnight or by next year, or maybe even within the next decade, but we should have a vision to say this is not acceptable to have deaths on our roadways. Yeah. And so that that's actually was one of my later questions. And it sounds like um, one of my later questions, like who is doing this well, other cities doing a good job. And so just so our listeners know too, it does, it sounds like this isn't, we don't need to necessarily reinvent the wheel when it comes to um, addressing reckless driving. There are other places that have been, that have either done this or are doing this well, correct? Yes. And let me get to that in just a little bit, but I think there's another really important point that helps set up this concept of vision zero and that you were alluding to this before in, in that the listeners themselves may not be reckless drivers, but I would encourage all of us to think of what role we have to play in improving traffic safety and becoming safer drivers. Uh, I think in the Milwaukee community, the, the, the issue of reckless driving is often seen as teenagers stealing cars and driving them really fast, often away from the police, and running them into houses and trees. Certainly that is a problem. However, I would encourage us all to really think more broadly about reckless driving and its relationship to how we drive on an everyday basis. Is speeding acceptable? So for example, going 10 miles an hour over the speed limit, you may not be getting a ticket for that, but is that something that you're doing? Uh, how often do we see people weaving aggressively or passing on the right in a bike lane? Do we see people not look for or stop for pedestrians who are clearly trying to cross in a crosswalk. These are th you know, behaviors that really should be changed in order to promote traffic safety for all people on the streets. And we need to think about our neighbors, not just ourselves as we travel from one part of the city to another. How can I as a driver keep my neighbors safe? And this is, not just a problem in one part of the city. We see it on the east side, the south side, the north side. There are problems with speeding everywhere. We know this from surveys. We know it from speed data that the city has collected. There's some streets that have 
five to seven percent of the cars that are going more than 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. Uh, North 35th Street, West Capitol Drive are examples of those streets. And so what that means concretely is that there's almost a thousand cars per day on Capitol Drive that are traveling 50 miles an hour or higher and the posted speed speed limit is 30. Yeah, and so to your point, you know, those thousand people a day that are driving 20 miles per hour over the speed limit, um, you know, they're not necessarily getting into an accident every single day, but uh, they're making uh, the likelihood of accidents higher, right? And so I'm loving this conversation. I, I really appreciate your insight. Part of me is just like sort of intimidated by the scale of this challenge, because even in your your call to have to ask that uh, each individual listener sort of looks looks to themselves and think about their own driving practices, you um, highlighted going 10 miles per hour over the speed limit or um, passing uh, in a bike lane. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, Bob, um, whose responsibility is it? Like, is it, is it on the individual? Um, uh, because, you know, in my mind, it's like, oh, you're going 20 miles per hour over. Is that the responsibility of some public safety, whether it's police or something else to like to punish to punish that person? Or do we know that punitive measures don't work? Is it only narrowing the streets? Um, what is it? Speed, is it speed bumps or is it just all of it combined? Like when you say comprehensive, is it just like, look, there's no silver bullet, no panacea here. We just need to do all of it all at once. <laughs> uh, but who's responsible for that? Is it is it really the individual, the city? Is it, is it everyone? kind of rambling here, but yeah, what comes to mind? Yeah, I, I think there's a role for all of us to play, but I do want to go back to the original question that you asked, which is about the engineering and the built environment aspects of how we design our streets, because we can make enforcement decisions and, you know, we can try to educate people and, and we should be asking ourselves, well, what, what can we do as an individual to try to be driving safer? But the underlying system that we have, which is the street infrastructure, sets us up to either succeed or you know, not do as well <laughs> at traveling safely. And so if we've got a capital drive example where you've got three lanes of traffic in each direction, it makes it fairly easy to travel 10 miles an hour over the speed limit or even 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. If that street had two lanes in each direction rather than three, and there was a little bit more traffic congestion along the way, it would be a whole lot harder to swerve in and out of lanes and pass other people at a very high rate of speed. On some of our other streets that have just one lane in each direction, you have a bike lane and then a a parking lane, but often the parking lane isn't very full of parked cars. And so people are swerving around to the right to pass. Well, that can be reduced if we have, if we use curb extensions at key locations at intersections. And so a curb extension essentially goes out into the street 
and no cars can park along there. But what it does is it narrows the width of the street right at the intersection. And then nobody can pass on the right. Otherwise, they'll hit a curb that's right there. Um, the other benefit of the curb extension itself is then that pedestrians can be seen more easily because they can wait out on that curb extension. And then they have a shorter crossing distance. Plus, cars that are making turns off of the street and onto it have to make that turn at a slower rate of speed, which means the overall traffic slow traffic flow becomes slower. So one, one solution that is getting underway in the city and, and happened this past summer is a low-cost, high-impact sort of project on North 27th Street between Wisconsin Avenue and State Street on the near west side. This past summer, the city used delineator posts. They're flexible posts, uh, can put it, be put in very inexpensively, and then paint and markings to redesign that street so it just had one lane in each direction rather than two lanes in each direction. And so that helped slow that traffic along North 27th Street. And it was done with very low cost improvements. Uh, and partially the thinking behind it is that, you know, you can test out how these types of changes might affect safety and affect traffic flow so that if it doesn't ultimately work, you can take it out fairly easily. But if it does, then you can make those changes more permanent by actually redoing the curbs and redoing the pavement that goes along with that. And you sort of touched on this already, but in the beginning, I told you how Bridge of City's main purpose is to provide people with tangible action steps and how to get involved to make a difference. When it comes to making our, our community, our city safer, when it comes to addressing reckless driving, what is uh, one or two things somebody can do tomorrow uh, for instance, to contribute towards a solution to this challenge? I would say check out the Facebook site of the Coalition for Safer Driving Milwaukee. And that's where a group of people currently led by Celia Jackson has been bringing together a large coalition to try to make driving safer in this city and reduce reckless driving. It really is going to take a collaborative effort among many different people, different stakeholders from the engineering team at the city who helps design the streets to urban planners who think about oh, what do the neighborhoods need what do local commercial business districts need and what do residents care about? It'll take the cooperation of people in the judicial system, uh, people who are working in law enforcement, and it'll take the collaboration of many advocates uh, who the Coalition for Safe Driving brings together uh, that include groups like Safe and Sound that work with youth in the community, groups like the Wisconsin Bike Federation that works for pedestrian and bicycle safety and 
improving opportunities for those travel modes. They'll take neighborhood organizations like Near West Side Partners and the Northwest Side CDC, 16th Street Community Health Centers, Clayton Boulevard, West Neighbors, all those types of groups who work closely with community members and um, get them talking about this issue and saying, how can we change our streets so that the underlying conditions for reckless driving are really taken away. And at the same time, we're creating streets that are more active and healthier for people who are on foot, on bicycles, taking the bus, or even driving in cars. So all those groups working together will ultimately make a difference. If you want to take another immediate step related to that, can talk with your alder person, who is your direct representative to our city government, saying, hey, this is a really important issue. But again, I would encourage people to think about it as not just a small group of people who are making choices on their own to um, drive dangerously, but really it's something that all of us need to look at in how we've created a system and ultimately change that system so that it is safer for all types of transportation and all street users. And if you are an avid Bridge the City listener, you know that usually that's about where we end our episode. But um, I had to ask Dr. Schneider, Bob, if there was anything else you wanted to talk about, and I'm glad I did take a listen. I I don't know how this all plays in, but it's worth thinking about how we in, have invested in our neighborhoods over time too. Yeah. Part of the reason that we have such wide streets with multiple lanes in outer the, the outskirts of the city um, is because we had large movements of the population and then jobs out to suburban locations. And to facilitate travel between those suburban locations and downtown Milwaukee and between neighborhoods of Milwaukee and those suburban locations, we decided that we were gonna make it automobile oriented. In other words, basically the only way that's convenient to travel from one part of the region to another is by automobile. And so, there is a need for regional thinking about the reckless driving problem too, because if we're going to have narrower streets with slower speeds, it means that we may not be able to get to jobs or other activities that are located a very long distance away. So what we need to overcome that problem is reinvestment in city neighborhoods so that there are more job opportunities within a walking distance, within a short bus bus distance or short car drive distance. That has the side benefit of revitalizing neighborhoods that have had disinvestment for many decades. And so... And we've talked about this before, and even the I-94 episode touched on it a little bit. mm -hmm. The design of the interstate facilitated white flight in in a lot of ways, and a uh, benefits suburban dwellers at sort of a, a unequally um and so not you know not to um 
put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you're saying that some of the non-interstate roads yes. <laughs> kind well, of have done the same thing. So if you think of uh, Forest Home Avenue and National Avenue and Fond du Lac Avenue and Capitol Drive, those are state highways that essentially took the concepts of the interstate so that essentially vehicle flow was prioritized over pedestrian safety or the local businesses that were on those streets, uh, getting people into and out of the city relatively quickly was the main purpose of those streets when they were essentially expanded out. They also severed neighborhoods in terms of being barriers to people crossing them. And, you know, instead of being a street where a neighborhood comes together, think of National Avenue and think of Fond du Lac Avenue. These are streets that people are afraid to cross. Just imagine if these were streets where pedestrians could go easily from one side to another and you developed local businesses that were very vibrant and you saw pedestrians on the street everywhere, um, the, the feel of the community would be very different. And so I think as we reimagine how we uh, use our streets, we have the opportunity to reinvest in the, the local business districts. Thank you so much for listening to Bridge the City. This episode was produced and edited by me, Benjamin Rangel. Uh, show music was created by Casey Masters. Thank you to Dr. Robert Schneider uh, for taking the time to talk with us and for the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee for just having such great resources right here in our city. And again, a reminder, if you want to support us, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash bridge the city. And as always, let us know. Reach out. Please send us an email, a text, a carrier pigeon, and let us know how you have helped bridge the city. Bridge the city. Whoa.